Welcome to Next Gen Movement, our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom, lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community. Quinton Allums, also known as Just Q, is a force to be reckoned with in the creative community. As a top voice with how he's built his brand around storytelling, this became the birth of Urban Misfit Ventures, a branding collective Q founded with his fellow men that is becoming an emerging pioneer in Milwaukee and nationwide, where at one point he was struggling to make rent and live by, to now becoming one of the go-to people showing brands how to effectively tell their story, creating quality content, and more importantly, creating a powerful and engaging community. It's incredible to watch the movement from afar. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Q as our next chapter of Next Gen Movement. Welcome, mate. Dude, this is a beautiful intro. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel good. <laughs> I've got you, mate. I've got you. Um, We're all love- about making people feel good, Q. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. I need it today. Um, and I remember when we first were st- talking, this was the Mad Genie days. This goes, ah, yeah. this goes quite a far back. And just hearing about the journey and where you wanting to take things, where you wanted to take things. But for where you are at now, it's obviously the success is a lot higher than it was, but people might see that and go, Oh, that should be easy or cues lucky or that kind of stuff. What are some of like the tumultuous, like emotional things that you had to overcome to get you to where you are now? Because I know at one point you had to, you had to sell a pet or something. I remember that a while back or something to do with having no money. I think you were like $900 in debt. Um, something happened with your dog or your cat and yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there have been a lot of tears that came with it. Like, yeah. yeah, I love that question because I think I was thinking about it and there's a lot of stuff that I just don't talk about and it's not like I'm hiding it. It's just like, wow, like I'm going to go on to the next thing, you know, because I've got to get through it. But like the dog thing for sure, like my dog was hit by a car. Like I, he got sick. I had to spend like thousands of dollars that I didn't have on him. Like my girlfriend left me trying to build a business at the same time, you know, like not making rent, being three months behind. Um, even when like success started picking up and I'm like, okay, like, wow, I'm now I'm speaking at VidCon. Like now people want to pay me for things. Now I'm actually making money. Um, my credit was so bad because I tried to build a company and I failed and I had no idea what I was doing that I was homeless literally like sleeping on couches and I was sleeping on my office floor you know and like all these people saying like Q you're so amazing you're so incredible I want to be like you but I was sleeping on my office floor you know like just mentally having to go through those things like I, I know that's like not necessarily normal for entrepreneurs but like the mental things I would say were even harder than not having any food and like eating like little sugar and like seasoning cubes to like subside the hunger like having to drink coffee all day like all week like things like that there was a lot of things that i went through but really it was like okay what's what's next you know like if i can get through this i'm gonna be able to do anything yeah. in my life but there was a lot there really was and like looking back like right now like i don't i don't take a lot of time to do that it was like damn like i'm genuinely proud of myself because if i were to do that again i don't know if i'd be able to do it you know q I think it's it's great that you look forward, and I think that looking back probably helps. Well, I mean, it would give you insight, but I think the reason that we want to look back is we know by looking back and actually accessing some of that information from your mind, we can help other people, mm-hmm. right? Because the reality is is that those moments tend to be defining, right? And 
I think it's super important to kind of capture a bit of that secret sauce so we can figure out, well, how do we, how do other people that are in that situation actually move through what you did too, right? So I just want to talk about the imposter syndrome. So a lot of us have external um, kind of feedback that we're fantastic and we're great and we're doing really well. How did you deal with the fact that you didn't necessarily feel that you were doing great, that you were doing well? And at what point did you kind of move beyond this kind of imposter syndrome that I'm sure that you felt at many times? I would say I haven't, um, not even, not even today. And I, I'd say I'm light years ahead of where I was back then. I still have light years to go, but I would say I haven't. And I, I, I don't think I ever want to, because mm. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, man, but like that feeling of like, wow, I don't know if I'm good enough. One, it keeps you humble. And I, I hate like super successful people like, oh yeah, you know, fuck, I'm the best, right? Like get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Right? Like I think, I think that's stupid and just being able to humble, like just being humble, you're able to relate to people and you're able to help more people. But I think that imposter syndrome, it's a good indicator of like, hey, like you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. Mm. If I was ever like truly comfortable and you understand like as runners, right? Like you're not going to run a mile because a mile is easy, right? You're not going to run a 5K because a 5K is easy. Like, yes, you could push yourself, but why not run an ultra marathon? You know, like that makes me uncomfortable. That's going to push my mind. I would say the same thing in business and life. I love that imposter syndrome because I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough. Let's find out, right? And typically I am because yeah. I allow myself. Yeah, I love that, man. With, with I think with all the self-doubt and all the incredulous thought that comes with it, it, it kind of there comes an imbalance in how we look after ourselves. When when you, I would love to know with the dichotomy of wanting to maintain like a sense of imposter syndrome, how do you maintain your self care so that that level of imposter syndrome doesn't really take over you? I would say that's that's the hardest part, man. <laughs> like I think we're all trying to figure that one out. Right? <laughs> like I have seen so many people burn out, like really really successful people. And I, I always say, like, I don't want that to be me. How can I, how can I, like, make sure that's not me? And how can I keep other people from burning out as well? And I was talking to my business coach about this. And, like, dude, you need to, you need to take care of yourself. You're young. You're 25. Like, you can, you can last for a little bit. But I've been doing this for a long, long time. And very rarely is it an issue with entrepreneurs that they're not working hard enough. All entrepreneurs work hard, right? Like, that's not an issue. It's always an issue if they're not taking care of themselves. So what are you going to do? What actually makes you happy? And for me, like I literally just time block my entire life. So like 5 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., like that's just me. Like I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to work on my speech that my inbound speech that I'm working on. Then, okay, this and this and this. And it's all blocked out. But mm. I have these time slots just for me because I need to meditate. I need to exercise. I need to play video games because I'm a total nerd. But like what... <laughs> Are those things that I can do before I'll actually, what are those things that I can do that are going to keep me from burning out before I actually need those things? Um, I still suck at it, dude. Like I don't like sleep. I like to work, but I'm trying. And I, I think that's what's important. Q, you got to, obviously we're doing this via video and you're in a different country, but you've got a real sense of humility about you and, and warmth. And I can feel that come through the actual technology. And it's one of those things, it's one of the reasons I like millennials. I'm, I'm Gen Y, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on that cusp where we 
had a different perspective to kind of the entrepreneurial journey and, and people weren't as real and not as real as your demographic are willing to be. And I love that answer in respect to um, vulnerability and keeping yourself kind of in that, within that imposter syndrome, because I think that it was a f- phenomenal answer. What's your perspective on motivational kind of speakers and people that have this tendency to want to, want to always be positive, kind of yell at themselves and, you know, and yell at everyone else and hype everything up and act like they're perfect because for me, it really doesn't do it. It used to when I was younger and I'm just keen to get your perspective on it because I think that I'll hear an interesting answer as to what your, your perspective is on that stuff. You guys ask really good questions. That's rare. Um, I like that. I would, I was just walking on stage to give my TEDx and they announced me cue and they gave all like the stereotypical stuff, but then they said motivational speaker and I like cringe. I was like, no, like that's not me. No, no. That's it. Like, <laughs> but I thought about it. I was like, like if that's what I am to other people, that's what I'm going to be to other people. You know, like mm. I, I even when I was writing the TEDx the first meeting, I was like, hey guys, this format, I'm really struggling. I'm going through this existential crisis. I don't want to be motivational. I don't want to talk about my story. Like I don't want to just be known for X and Y and Z. I want to be all of these things. And then they turn back around. They're like, hey, like even the story you just told us was fairly motivational. And I came to this realization that it's not my job to, to dictate and try to control what other people take away from my story, what other people take away from my speech. If I'm a motivational speaker, fuck it. But I would say I do have a problem with, hey, be happy, be happy, be happy. Because I don't think happiness should be the goal. Mm. Like you don't want to be happy if your son dies. You don't want to be happy if like, like I would not have survived as an entrepreneur if I was happy. I needed that anger. I needed that tenacity, right? Like I was pissed off. Like I was so <laughs> mad that I was like, okay, like come at me. Like, and I was a terrible human being, but I had to be that in order to get through that. Long-term that wouldn't have been healthy, but I would mm. say like we have every, all of our emotions for a reason. I think people like overly romanticize this idea of happiness and, and, and love, which are amazing things, but they're only amazing if you experience anger and sadness and mm-hmm. sorrow and, and all these other things. So I, would, I don't like the be happy, be happy, love your, yes, love yourself, but be happy, be happy, you know, like all of it. We need all of it and we have all of it for a reason. Mm. Very uh, good answer. I think happiness is actually a byproduct. It comes afterwards. Like I think if you can learn to be grateful, then the happiness will come. And I agree. Um, I've even learned for myself, if I'm too happy and I don't feel into the sadness or the anger, I feel like, first of all, I think anger is a guardsman to sadness. But if I don't even feel into the sadness, I will actually have shame around being too happy. And yeah, it's a weird thing, but it's like when the body's coming through, when it's coming in, like where is it actually coming from? I usually get a lot of stuff in the gut because intuition is a strong thing for me so i will feel that some people feel on the shoulders but then it feels like a burden like a little burden and got to do what you do to process it got touching i'm curious to know q when you mentioned um even the tedx people that said even that you mentioning this story of a story um was motivational something came to my mind i was talking about rj a while back about how storytelling is a thing but i feel like story showing is more effective where is actually showing in the moment as opposed to just saying it. I'd love to know your thoughts on that because I feel like there is a lot of substance and a lot of gold in it. It's actually showing, it's almost like showing by example, but it's actually doing it in real time as well. 
um, I would say storytelling and story showing. Like, I honestly think they're the same thing. I think people just like when I like I'm a big storyteller. I've always loved stories, and that right away on LinkedIn, that's what it's, I started preaching. And like now, you see all these people. Yeah, I'm a storyteller. Let's tell stories, but they're focused on this one type. Like, I'm gonna talk to a camera, and like, here's this thing that I went through in my life. But also, like, I could tell a story about this, and I could just show it. It could just be like, wow, this can falls over, and it spills into my dog's mouth. You know, and I'm like, wow, like he's super happy. Like, that's a story, right? Like, it's point A to point B. I would say, like, showing it is also storytelling. It just anything could work is just finding what can work for you. I'd say story is the most effective, effective tool. It's literally been there since the beginning of time before language was exist, before traditional language existed, like storytelling was there, right? Like cavemen drawing the walls, right? Like that's how we communicated. And I would say they're the same thing. Like there's different styles of storytelling. It's just what works for you. It doesn't have to be, hey, here's a story. It doesn't have to be a bunch of B-roll, right? Like it's just, what's the story you're trying to tell? A to B, all stories for the most part are the same. Just <laughs> Mm. what's what's the medium you're using you know do, Q, do you think that especially on linkedin because there's a lot of people that do a lot of different content do you think there's a lot of people that don't really have an explicit strategy or they don't know what the hell they're doing i think that's 99.9 percent .9 of the people and i i only say that because i am like a deeply deeply strategic person and i i like i know I know when people are imitating, I know when people are copying. There's nothing wrong with imitating, there's nothing wrong with copying, but like I literally have a spreadsheet, okay? This is what I did, this is the result, this is how much money I Such made. Such a nerd, Q. Everything, like everything. Like did I have my hat on, was I outside, was it B-roll, like everything. And what most people do is they look at things in the surface level, right? Hey, mm. Shay Robottom just posted a video and it was a skit and it got 8,000 views, or 8,000 likes and a million views, whatever. I don't know the exact numbers, but. I'm going to make a skit. I'm going to make a video because that's going to get my clients, right? Mm. That's not the case. It might be, it might be for her, but okay. What they don't see is there's this video. Here's this article. Here's this text post. This article, even though it only got 2000 views, every single time I post an article, I get a client. It's a live video, even though 800 people were only on compared to this video that reached millions of people. This live video, every single time I go live, I get a client. They're looking at things on a surface level, but they're not testing. They're not experimenting. They're just copying what everybody else is doing. I would say that's most people. And I know it's most people because we see this, this same, same like type of content, the same type of post being posted. And like, if that's the goal, if it's just to like get yourself out there, that's fine. But I think more people need to spend time like asking themselves, Hey, what do I want to achieve? Like, who am I trying to reach? Like, what's the strategy and getting clear on that. And then from there, it's easy. Like I, there's a lot, a lot of money on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn. I know Shay Robottom's crushing it. Jackie Hermes, who's one of our clients, has made over $300,000 in like less than a year just because of her personal brand. Most people are just, they're scraping, making pennies, right? And it's not about money. It depends, again, what's your goal, but have that strategy in place. And that takes testing. Treat everything like a, like a science experiment. Mm. And I've, I've noticed like with the, the clients that you work with, it's there's a strong community element involved. And I think with what you guys are doing at Urban Misfits, you guys are hitting it like right to the core because humans are wired neurobiologically for really two things, story and connection. Because story is when we can relate to it, uh, we start to tell the own version in our, in our heads, especially if, we, if it's happened to us or there's something that resonates. For example, RJ, Zach, Paris and I, we connected on a rock bottom level. Uh, we, we connected because of adversity. 
And I think that's the most beautiful thing because it removes all judgment um, of who we are as people. But when we start to tell our story, it kind of, it builds our own collective. And that's what you guys are doing. You are building a collective. I'm curious to know, did you guys, how did you guys actually connect like on that level? You, Eric, um, Izzy and Bremer. Did, was there like that sort of, hey, we kind of like, because you guys are misfits, right? It's like, we're going to break status quo and we're going to connect that way. And we have our own stories, but we're going to build that community in that kind of style of form too. Yeah. I, the way that we connected, I can start there. Like me and Izzy were college roommates. So I've known him for a long time. Wow. Um, he actually introduced me to Brahma, I think eight years ago. He's like, Hey, you should follow this guy on Instagram. I never met him, but mm. I, I was following him. And then fast forward seven years, I meet Eric. And at the time, like this is Mad Genie, right? Like my other company, I'm growing quickly. I had to convince a lot of people to jump on LinkedIn at the time. Most of them quit. Dids created for 90 days straight, which I didn't even do. So I was like, wow, that's dope. Let's do something. We launched a YouTube channel. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I want to do something more. Let's launch a company. So we got together. And then I met Brema through another company that wanted to do something similar to us. They ended up kicking Brema out and kicking myself out because I'm hard-headed and I'm, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I like things a certain way. And then I hired Brema for a job to record me and Eric and take photos because we couldn't do it ourselves. And then he's like, wow, I really like that. We got together. And then Izzy was transitioning from like director of corporate sponsorship or partnerships at this um, previous venture and he was just driving uber eats and fixing bikes so i'm like dude like i've known you for a long time you're really good at selling i'm okay like i can do it i've done it but that's not my jam let's do this let's do this and i'm super surprised he jumped and did this but we were all in this weird period of our lives Brema wanted to do this full time eric wanted to do this full time and he's getting married i didn't want to be a solopreneur anymore and izzy was like in this weird transition so we were all like misfits in our industry but we didn't really like embrace the fact that we were misfits until we started building the company because then people in the city were like, what the fuck are these kids doing? Like, who the fuck are they? Like they think they can charge this amount and they don't even know what the fuck they're doing. And then <laughs> we started paying attention. Right. Then we started getting hired in New York city and LA and all of these places. And then Milwaukee's like, Oh wow. Like, Hey, like, like mm -hmm. we didn't realize we were misfits until we started doing at least collectively. Like I've always, I've always been weird, but um, I would say when we started, that's when like we really, really came together. And there's still a lot of growing pains, you know, like a lot of growing pains, but <laughs> mm. it's, it's going and I'm, dude, I'm loving it. Q, in terms of the focus of the misfits, is it mainly on personal branding or, or corporate company branding or both? Yeah. So what a lot of people don't realize, so Urban Misadventures is a parent company. So we yeah. own two different subsidiaries. So one is branding. So storytelling, we work with yeah. companies brands and people to build influence through stories. So a lot of strategy, a lot of video, that's personal brand and like companies. And then we also have our events companies. So we drive a lot of traffic to those companies, brands, people that we're working with. So we do a little bit of everything on the content side. It doesn't really matter, but it's gotta be people we like, gotta be companies we like, you know, we've got to have fun, we've gotta be able to see that ROI in the back end. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, definitely makes sense. I, I, I'm noticing you guys work with some uh, Milwaukee Admirals. Is it the Admirals? Yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, cool. It's cool that like, you guys are working in sport and you guys have ventured. I remember when you guys first started the company. I thought it was called IEEG, like that is. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the agency. So that's branding. Urban gotcha. Misadventures owns the agency. We just don't even say the name because people are like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Like, you're mm. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's corporate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then but it's and then e MK Misfits is the events company. 
there you go. And you guys have put a call out and some guy goes, yeah, just use our office. I was like, this is awesome. Actually just <laughs> watching this, you guys just literally the power of asking has just got it that far. Um, yeah, crazy. As we start to wrap things up, Q, I thought um, acknowledge yourself um, from behalf of RJ and I and Zach, who's from afar in, in Paris as well. But just after knowing your journey, man, and knowing you from that genie and when you were with Mike and just watching that unfold, it's actually really awesome to see the kind of person you are and how humble and how much integrity you have and how that's kind of like flowed into the company because companies have personalities as well. And I think it's like to those brands that you're working with, I think they're incredibly lucky to be associating with you guys. So that I just mentioned that, but as we start to wrap things up, man, um, would love to give you a plug, like 30 seconds, whatever you want to put out there. It could be anything from, like, it could be anything from Urban Misfits. It could be anything you want, man. What um, do you do? Honestly, like, I, I don't need anything. Like, it'd be rad if, like, if you could go check on my YouTube. I'm a little, like, butthurt because, like, <laughs> I started on YouTube and LinkedIn took off and YouTube didn't. <laughs> I really, you wanted I really, to be a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> that was Q's dream, smashing up Ruby's cubes on YouTube. Get a million. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but I, I really don't need anything. Like, this is awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Like, um, go check out this and everything they're doing because when you guys succeed, I succeed. It makes me happy. I think seeing other people do what they love is more fulfilling than actually doing what I love. Appreciate it, man. Q, um, I have to definitely say I haven't met you, but I'm pretty perceptive and you've got a very special presence. So whatever you're doing in your personal life, keep doing it because I'm sure there's a lot going on there in terms of self-care, spirituality, uh, exercise, eating well. And I think that you've got that formula down right. And I think that's kind of, you, we can see that filtering out in the regards to how you communicate and how you conduct yourself and keep doing whatever you're doing behind the scenes. I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, we ask all our guests. If you can impart any game-changing advice to the next generation, what would that advice be? Mm. Um, it's a really, really loaded question. Really good question. Um, mm. I'd want to say a lot of things. Um, Go ahead. But what I feel compelled right now to say is stop listening to advice. Um, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because literally I, I personally believe that everything could work. And nothing can work. It's just a matter of finding what can work for you. And if you just continuously listen to advice, you're not going to do anything. I think you need to go feel that pain. You need to face the struggles, adversity, the love, the happiness. Just go feel all those things and find what works for you. But for now, especially like next generation, just go, go live. Stop taking advice. Stop. For now, stop reading because I love all that stuff. But just, just go do. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer, Q. Well, with that, mate, thanks from the next gen, man. I personally, I really enjoyed this chat. And Q, I'm going to send you an email offline just to uh, get some feedback from you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and probably connect with you on some other stuff as well. But look, all the Dude, best. Like, I'm going to stop you now because this is probably one of the best podcasts I've ever been on because you ask real questions and <laughs> low as well. So I am taking notes here. So no ugly, no bad. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, man. That was the, like, the fucking primary intent when we had the podcast medium and, and the collective we have. It's like, we can't be asking the same questions where everyone asks. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, we do we do research and we we try to understand a little bit about where people are coming from, but really we just try to let it be organic, let it go where it's going to go. And for me, it, it's always been around asking the things that aren't necessarily being represented on social media because people see you as urban misfits. Okay, well, that's fantastic. But what we really want to know is what, what helped you get there, right? Like what was your internal process, the internal drivers? And we feel that when we, you know, young people know that stuff, they can then start to replicate a bit of that stuff in their own lives, right? So it's very important to understand that stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you both. All right, man. Well, look, all the best, Don. Keep representing Milwaukee. <laughs> appreciate you man appreciate you take man. care bro thank you see, see you man. man bye bye mate.